passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Colby Marshall. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of Believe in Rugby on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This podcast is available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com, at Believe in Rugby on Instagram, and at Believe Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. This week's episode and topic of discussion is one that is very important and necessary to have, and that is minorities in the game of rugby in the United States. Joining me to talk about this will be Iona assistant coach Dave Flemister, who is a black man and who was a great rugby player back in his day before taking up a role at Iona. Also, former Iona players Kyle Granby and LeVar James will be joining me and both know what it's like being a black player in today's day and age and the stereotypes that come with it. Kyle co-founded a rugby club called Roots, which is a club that focuses on growing players of African descent, while also letting the world know what a minority player is capable of, despite the many stereotypes that exist. Hey. Hey. What's up? How you doing? Good to see you. You're like, driving? I see you. Are you driving? Yeah, yeah I'm driving. <laughs> Yo! Yo! <laughs> What's going on? Good to see you. Likewise. We gotta get a couple bites in. What's up, KG? What's up, Kobe? How have you how you been, bro? Good, good man. Hey, hey, y'all. How's the fam? Everybody's good, man. Just uh got the kids eating right now and relaxing, so got right. enough time to do all this. Nice, nice. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast officially. <laughs> and uh, Dave, I kind of wanted to start with you um, because you played before us, before LeVar, Kyle, and I. And I kind of wanted, I really want to know what your experience was like as a black rugby player. So it was a different experience. I remember when I first got exposed to it in, um, I was in, in, in college, and it was def- definitely thought of as a you know white sport, and more at that time was all about kind of the drinking and partying. Um, and even New York, when I got there, uh, when we you know we were a B side or B division club, and it was more about partying than anything else. But as you know, I joined, and there's definitely some more athletes joined. We were able to move up the ranks. But um, as a black person on a in a sport that nobody thought of at all as, as really, even at, at that time, almost a sport. Um, it was, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, I had to explain to my friends, I played, you know, grew up playing football, basketball, ran track, 
and had to try and explain to people what rugby was, you know? Um, and I remember the first game that I was going to start uh, A-side, a uh, Jewish player came up to me and was against um, New York Athletic Club and said, hey, you know, this, this club has notoriously um, not been favorable to uh, Jews and they definitely don't like black folks. So, you know, bring your, your best game and, 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 you know, make sure you, you stand out. So, um, you know, I did, I tried. That was a little motivation for me. Um, what, I, what I have found is um, everyone um, over the, the decades having played, they bleed rugby. Like over time, there's still some, been some incidents here or there, and I'll get back to it uh, later on. But um, yeah, my family's talked about it. I talk about it. You go to an airport, you travel anywhere. If you're wearing any kind of rugby gear, it's like your family. Um, and that's kind of the, the one of the things that I found more so than any other sport I played. Um, you, if you play rugby, uh, you know you could have a conversation with pretty much anyone else that plays rugby. Did Did you see like any other minorities that were at I guess your level, or was there anybody that you looked up to? Um, there were there were a few over the years, um, and you know it was. You know, I'd say I thought I was great over time. I think I was good. Um, I'd say even, you know, really good. But at the time, there were so few people that looked like us that are out there. Um, it's, it's hard to, it's, you know, and, and some came and went. You know, they're, they're not that many. And I talked about Curtis Hayes and, and Kirk, who played for Manhattan, and, um, you know, Tony Joseph, uh, you know, he was there before me a few years uh, older. You know, he was one of the fastest people I've seen play. And what was amazing about him, and the, and the game was so much different then, that person would sometimes zigzag and probably run 200 yards to go 60 and score a try. But he was elusive and, you know, he could cut back. He just, it was just, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, but would he be considered a, you know, these days a traditional rugby player? You know, he, he was a wing, but he didn't, he just, he had his own game. Um, so it was always fun to play with him. And as a flanker, I was, you know, fast enough to keep up with him so that when he did finally get tackled, I was, uh, to, to, to whatever extent I could be, I would be there. And of course, little added incentive, you know, He's my brother. I want to make sure he was protected and, and he had his help. All right. Um, Kyle, to, to transition in, into you, into your story, you kind of, um, you're a big influence in the, in the minority community. You helped spearhead a rugby club called Roots, who is, uh, it's comprised of uh, players of African American or African descent. What inspired that, that startup of that club, Kyle? Pretty much uh, just everything I experienced within rugby, just, uh, you know, coming into it, like Dave said, it was pretty much a white sport. And uh, when I was starting out, uh, I would always be like one of two or three black people and you always get like kind of stereotyped into a role and um, led to believe that you can only do a certain amount of things. I was just getting sick of that and I um, wanted to just show that I, I as a player can do more and I know a bunch of other brothers that can do a lot more than what they've 
you keep having us too. So on that that thought, I couldn't wait to like just bring together a whole black team and just really show that we, we can do more than what you guys think. We can be fly halves, scrum halves, we can kick and we, we could just really play rugby, not just be speed all day. So on on those thoughts, like um I just knew I had to do something eventually and after me and Mark talked one uh, one night before New York Sevens, we were just like, you know what, let's let's do this. Like, let's actually kick this off. And um, my wife's support pretty much pushed me to just get it off the ground. But now, we went, once we won that New York Sevens, that first that first tournament, like going undefeated, was just like an, an amazing feeling. And I knew this program could be amazing. So when we went to Vegas. We brought a women's team. And we had a whole family, and like to have a African American whole like section of men and women rugby players, everybody was coming over to us, like trying to hang out with us, see what's up. We had just like good vibes, good spirits the whole time. Our women um, won the Shield, which is like 12th place out of like the 16 teams, but our men won the championship in their division. And like, it didn't matter who won which trophy, we felt like we all just won together. And like, it was just- Everyone who played, were they all rugby players? Did you get some rugby players and you were able to get some people that had never played before that were able to introduce the sport to? Uh, so uh, for our sevens tournament, I was strictly all rugby players. I, I knew I had a bunch of ballers that, that could come out and just kill it. And um, we were going into the to the Vegas sevens, so I was like, I need to have a strong side for that. But then when we went to London for a rugby league nines tournament, I had eight guys that had never played rugby league before. So I'd say that, that would be more so kind of similar because, you know, well, it's rugby league and rugby union, you know, you're just really u- using your athleticism at one point, just trying to learn the rules. So, um, yeah, that's that's when I had just eight brand new guys to rugby league, just giving it a shot. We got second place in London. That's what stood out to me about Roots is, like, how successful you guys were in such a short span of time. Like, right away, you guys won, like, so many trophies and tournaments and were competitive. And you talked a little bit about being subjected as a black rugby player to only doing one thing. And we all know, like, we're expected to pretty much score every time we touch the ball. How, how difficult was that to, um, to deal with, knowing that you were so capable of doing so many other things? Yeah, it got um, more unbearable to deal with as I went into the men's division. Like, in college, it was all right, because I guess it was easier enough for us to just run by everybody else playing in, in the college division, you know, like um, I didn't really have to do much more of my other skills. I didn't have to pass the ball. I could just run by everybody. Once I got to the men's league and like, I just wanted to do more. I wanted to show that I could do more. And then I see the guys that are getting selected to start in these positions. I was just like, no, this is crap. Like they're trash. And they went to what school? They've been playing for how long? Like you need the coaching that they've had. I'd be way better. And that, that's what just made me want to be able to show like, no, you just give us the same opportunities. We can push and we can do a lot more than what you, you've got a stereotype as. Like personally, I remember my junior year, um, a big moment for me. That's arguably my most, my favorite year of playing because I played fly half for B-side. And even though it was just B-side, you know, to play fly half in my second year of rugby was like a huge deal. And I don't, I don't think I realized it as much as I, as I do now then because, you know, you just didn't see a lot of black fly halves. And for Bruce and, like, the coaching staff to recognize, like, 
you know, it's not just about, you know, the guys fast and splitting that fly half, but it was more than that. It was recognizing, hey, there are not a lot of black fly halves out here. Let's give him a shot because he has the ability and let's, you know, give him a chance at this. And that was, that's why that year is probably my most favorite. Um, let's be, let's be clear for, for, you know, many of us, the fly half and scrum half are kind of like the, the quarterback of a football team. And, you know, to Kyle's point, it's like, you know, we're usually many times when they first see us, put us out on the wing, you know, where we can, you know, expect to use our physical talents. Fly half is definitely much more of a, a, a mental uh, decision-making position. And uh, so, you know, I can understand why, um, you know, that probably helped you not only understand the game better, but play the game better because you played that position. Mm -hmm. LeVar, talk about your experience as, as a minority player. Um, so I made my decision to play when I was coming in as a freshman. In my orientation, my roommate was on the team and he just told me, he's like, oh yeah, so like, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure, I'm trying to, maybe I'll try to like be a scout team or scout player for like the basketball team or a walk on or something like that. And he's like, uh, why don't you, he's like, why don't you try to play rugby? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not playing that sport. I know what that's about. And then I just like, Oh, you know what, whatever. So I, I emailed Bruce that night and, and then he just got back to me and he, he emailed me like a bunch of Brian Habana videos. And I was like, all right, so I guess this is, this is like it. This is my position. This is, this, this is where I'm going to be playing. So from like the get-go, I was just like, yeah, I guess I'll be on the wing. Um, and then when I got to practice, the first camp, actually, it was the only black people that were there were CC, who I, Kyle, I think you know CC, and Brian. And I was like, and where's Brian? Brian's, Brian's a fullback and CC's big, so CC was in the forward pack. But other than that, there was like, there was nothing for me to like, look up to or aspire to be until until I met Kyle and then that that kind of that helped me a little bit because I knew he knew what I was going through because he was he was always stuck on the wing when he was in college too even though he didn't I don't think he started playing until when junior year right mm -hmm. but yeah it was just uh did were you welcome to the team did people treat you any differently did you feel because you know it it just I, felt I, like it felt like my role oh. was set even before, like, I was even before. But before, before your role, just how, how did you feel? Just being, you know, as you as as a player on this team that was predominantly white, and um, I'd probably guess, unless it's changed over the decades, uh, significantly Irish. Um, that was that was my experience. Uh, don't know whether it changed over thir three decades. Yeah, in terms right. of like the culture and everything, I was, it was it was welcoming. And I, but I think, had it not been for Bruce uh, or Billy, I I would have been done at, after freshman or sophomore year. Like Bruce, I think he did a all the coaches really, but I think they did a great job of uh, making it an all like inclusive environment. Because had they not been there, I don't not to say that anyone on the team was, was a bad person when I came in, but. I think Bruce did a good job at just setting a good culture. And Bruce can be a challenging personality, but uh, 
I think he's done a lot of great things for for the club in terms of um, bringing people together, different cultures, and he's he's an interesting fellow. And um, for those of us that are kind of in, I think he's done a great uh, job encouraging um, people of color and and all you know ethnicities to to be a part of this you know unique sport that, that as I said before can really bring people together. And even though I will say this also, even though Bruce did do a good job of like making it inclusive and all the coaches did a good job of that, it's still like, you still have that sense of like, these aren't my people really. Like, it's just like having um, a teacher, like just like teachers, like I didn't have a black teacher until I was a, a junior in college. So like, you, you're always wondering like, like, does this person have my best interests out for me? And that's not to say that Bruce doesn't, because I know he does, but you like, you like to see representation. And that's why when, like, Coach Dave, when you, when you walked on that field, that first practice, it was like seeing God. I was like, oh, my God, like, like finally, like, we just, I have something, to, I have someone that looks like me that I can relate to, that I can talk to, I can feel safe with, you know? That, that, that's awesome. Um, and and, and I, I took it. I think I took it very lightly. Didn't know what the, that, um, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, but I was happy to be a part of, of, of the team at that point and, and did not know um, that it would have that kind of effect. Um, and to be honest, I've, I've heard it. Uh, my son's around some of you guys and uh, still my friends from high school say, you know, have no respect for the sport and, and won't acknowledge the fact that I play it. Um, but my son was in a car with them um, going to one of the, uh, the rallies recently. And he was in with some of my high school buddies. And he said, you know, you know, not for nothing, but, you know, the guys in the, on the club um, that I work with really respect and, and love the fact that he's around. So I, I definitely appreciate the fact that I've had an impact on, on, uh, on all of your lives and uh, as much as you've you know, continue to, to have on mine. Dave, how do you think the game has changed, if at all, for minorities over the years? I'm not going to lie. I think there are times I stepped on the field that I knew that um, if my teammates didn't have my back, I knew that there are some times that I'm going to have to deal with more um, stuff than uh, people that don't look like us and definitely did. Um, people were, were definitely targeting me. There was uh, definitely at the, at the bottom of the scrum. And, it, it, you know, in part, you know, I was good. I got around. I made plays, which, you know, can make you a target because people want to take you out of the game. But I think it also, in looking like us, um, that happens as well. So I, I, I'm hoping and I believe that there is less of that now than there was uh, decades ago. I'm not going to say it, it totally goes away. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll never forget... Um, I have a, a, a jersey from the a select travel team from the South African Goshawks um, club that I played when I was played against when I was in Met Union. And at the beginning of the game, you know, definitely a racial slur pointed at me as we were doing the, the uh, you know, shaking hands. Um, you know, it shouldn't have taken this, but, you know, my play earned his respect. But he definitely, when he saw me, um, uh, 
belittled and disrespected me. And maybe that inspired me to play a little bit harder. Uh, but I'll never forget at the, at the end of the game, he gave me his jersey. And that was a, a, a major, um, again, not say accomplishment, but it made me feel um, like I was, I belonged. But it's a, it's a much more um, competitive sport. I do believe that there's less racism on the field uh, and prejudice on the field than there was back in the day. Um, also, the rules of the game have changed. Um, it's, it's a much faster game. It's a little bit less physical because um, the, the rules have changed a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's a different – the sport has evolved, and I think people's attitudes and opinions overall have evolved. You know, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's better, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. Well – I think we're just about out of time. Oh, I'm sorry. I spoke too much. No, no, no. This is no. It was perfect. And thank you guys for doing this. It means a lot. Um, I know we'll stay in touch. And uh, just again, thank you. Thank you for doing. Can this. Can, can you? Are you doing this? How How frequently are you doing these these podcasts? I try to come out with an episode every week. Um, just about every Friday, I've been publishing an episode. So one of the things that that um. I'm doing with um, with my company is trying to keep the, the conversation going because um, it's really important. And I think maybe if, if one out of every four weeks, we can continue the dialogue and have different people come on. And I'd actually even love to hear some folks that have played with us that don't look like us and kind of understand, you know, what their experience was and, um, you know, thoughts were when, when they saw us step on the field. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I like that a lot because that sh that sharing will help. Um, I think get us to a point where you know we won't have to have podcasts like these mm -hmm. in hopefully ten years or so because you know, yeah. times have changed. But um, you know, the recent you know current events have have definitely forced some people to be awoken, and it would kind of be cool to you know help uh, continue the conversation on the field and, 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 and off the field. Well, if you guys enjoyed that episode, be sure to rate five stars if you believe that it deserved it. And shout out to my guests again, LeVar, Kyle, and Dave. I thought we had a great talk. I'm very thankful that you guys took time out to come on to have this important discussion and to share your unique stories i think it was it was really awesome to hear and if anyone else would like to come on the show don't be afraid to let me know or if you have any ideas as well uh but that wraps up this week's episode of believe in rugby hope you guys enjoyed and i will catch up with you next week
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.